This is North, 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 South. North South. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here. Not for the TK show, not for 49ers Plus Minus, not for some other Warrior show I'm on. Starting a new, brand new show. We're calling it North and South with my quote unquote co-host. I'm not sure the legal terminology here. Lots of lawyers involved. We have to go through committees. I had to get through committees to get this show, but it's Dylan Hernandez from the LA Times. We're going to be talking. I don't know, Dylan. I've done enough talking to you and other people. What do you think this show is to you? What What are we doing here? What are you and I talking about? What are we talking about? Well, I think uh, yeah, we're talking about you know a uh, very kind of interesting state, right? Where even though you know it's funny because right, I worked in San Jose with you yep. uh, for five years, and I remember the first time. I was in, you know, kind of getting to know people up there. One of the first questions I asked somebody was, hey, so how does like the lottery work up here? I totally forgot we were in the same state. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Very Dylan. Very Dylan. Yeah. And yeah, what language, and- what language is the predominant? I'm not sure. Like, what do you speak? <laughs> yeah. You know, and um, right. And so even though we're kind of part of the st- same state and there's a lot of obviously cultural overlap, uh, you know, I do think there are two very like distinct cultures, you know, and. My wife and I, obviously, we're down here now, but, you know, we probably go up there once a year just because we kind of miss the whole ambiance and stuff. And again, it's 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 similar, but also very kind of different, I think, in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think the sports cultures kind of reflect that, um, you know, and again, there's also like a lot of overlap, though, right? There are a lot of, you know, USC, UCLA alum who live up there. Uh, you know, I would argue that the 49ers are probably the most popular football team down here uh, outside of maybe USC. You know, so, um, yeah, and it kind of reads a lot of right. I mean, kind of the only thing I think that's kind of like definitively like an L.A. thing and maybe like definitively the, you know, uh, Bay Area thing or the Dodgers Giants thing. Right. Where they're there, there's kind of no negotiating, it feels like. But, uh, yeah, you know, so I think it kind of breeds a lot of um, right kind of a lot of it brings us together. It also in certain moments kind of divides the state into two. And so I think it's kind of exploring all those nuances. Yeah, I think the two the two things are related. That's what I like. They, they affect each other. The gravitational pull of the Warriors affects the Lakers, which affects everyone else. Clippers, I'm not sure, affects anything. We'll, we'll discuss this. But the people, you know, I used to work in L.A. Obviously, I was at L.A. Times for 10 years, long before Dylan was ever there. Thank God. Thank God I was never there when you were there. And who, who knows what you're doing in that place? um and based in el segundo oh my god but uh and you i worked with you at the mercury news so i think we might be uniquely positioned i mean i'm always thinking about la stuff there are always la people working in the bay area got you know i've joked about the the warriors during the summertime used to be at least i don't know if any anymore but they used to be based in la joe lakeup was in la bob myers was in la kerr was in san diego more so up here but th- there's just so much interrelations so many things they're rivals or they're fighting each other or they're liking each other lebron and draymond lebron and and steph so much but let's start this let's make sure we get to the newsy stuff after we babble shohei otani kind of like a dylan hernandez guy there i mean there's nobody who knows the secrets and the mythology and the behind the scenes stuff of shohei otani Lots of discussion about his mysterious. We don't know what he's going to do as a free agent. Does he want to pitch anymore? What kind of environment does he want? What kind of team does he want? Obviously, the Giants are very interested. We know the Angels would like to resign him. We know the Dodgers would like. I think the Dodgers are the favorite. Dylan Hernandez, who goes to his English 
press conferences and his Japanese press conferences. That's got to scare the hell out of everybody that you can go to both ones. And yet he remains kind of a distant figure. Dylan, what, what's going on with Otani right now? Yeah, um, well, we don't know. You know, he won the MVP award last week. And traditionally, the MVP takes part in a, uh, you know, teleconference right after. Uh, we were on there for about 25 minutes when somebody from MLB jumped on and said that he will not be joining us uh, due to circumstances out of his control, which I kind of find a little bit hard to believe. You know, my guess is that this is more the agent, uh, Nesbalelo, who's been just kind of weird, honestly, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, kind of at the end of this regular season, he called all the media into the room and we're thinking, OK, maybe he's going to announce that there's going to be a surgery. And he tells us, you know, there's been a lot of negativity around. I want to get like a positive narrative going. Uh, he was looking right at little... you, Dylan. He was looking right at you, Mr. Yeah, and it was it was weird, right? Because I mean, Tim, I, I mean, I've covered boxing. You know, I, I thought I'd seen some weird stuff until until that one. And, you know, they still won't publicly acknowledge that the elbow surgery that he had was a Tommy John surgery. Uh, it was, you know, I've independently confirmed that it was a Tommy John second Tommy John surgery. But, you know, I think from uh, Balelo's standpoint, he's kind of trying to keep everything as quiet as possible. Uh, you know, I think I read something about how, you know, uh, I think maybe Ken Rosenthal had it out there about how, you know, he's told teams basically, hey, if you leak anything about our meetings, we're going to kind of hold that against you. You know, and, and here's the thing about Otani um, is that I really do think, you know, and I so in 2017, his last year, um, in playing in Japan, I went over there and I was there for about a week, uh, 10 days or so. And so I kind of followed him around a bit. Uh, you know, I went to his high school and at the time his high school coach, like had kind of a, like a, a lot of influence, I think on him and was kind of really an integral part of that decision-making process. Um, and so I got to at least know him through the people around him, I felt, mm-hmm. you know, and the impression that I got then is really just, um, you know, he's almost like a Japanese right comic book character um you know in that you have these characters who write the protagonists say there's a very popular uh soccer comic book that kind of came out and really became like globally like influential right it got translated into every language like see watch this uh iniesta watched it del piero said that he started playing soccer because of this thing and obviously it's kind of a one-dimensional character right <laughs> all he does is play soccer he loves soccer he's the type of guy who says you know soccer right the soccer ball is my friend and Otani almost seems like the real life kind of version of that. Um, you know, just from everything we've gathered, there's not much of an outside life. My understanding is, you know, say this past off season when he went back to Japan, uh, you know, he went out to eat maybe three times. Uh, so this isn't a guy who has everything he seems to do or a lot of what he seems to do it seems to be directed, uh, you know, to kind of enhancing his performance in baseball. I think he understands that his time here is kind of limited. I think he's very legacy obsessed. You know, um, last year he told me that the reason he came here at 23, you know, had he waited until 25, he could have come as an unrestricted free agent. At the time, they were talking about a $200 million contract. He said he came here at 23 because he thought he would improve his chances of getting into the Hall of Fame one day. So this is somebody who's very kind of legacy obsessed. And again, he doesn't leave his uh, residence much, it sounds like. You know, mm-hmm. he got asked earlier this year when he was in New York, um, you know, what's your favorite part of New York? And he's like, I don't know. I've never been outside of my hotel other than to go to the stadium. Right. So, you know, this whole idea of like, he needs to be here. He needs to be there. I'm not buying that at all. I really do think it's going to come down to where he thinks he can enhance his legacy the most, you know? And so now how you value legacy, right. And how you judge legacy, I do think is different through various like cultural lenses. I think so. If you ask any American, 
right? We all think, um, you know, and including myself, because I think at the end of the day, I still, right? I, I'm, I'm programmed to think like an American. Um, you know, the Dodgers just seem the most logical choice. Uh, you, you ask the Japanese media, the funny thing is they all think he's going to stay with the Angels, hmm. right? Because there is this thing about, you know, you don't bail when things are getting difficult. Now, what what is different about Otani, though, is that he's, you know, not kind of typical Japanese, I would say. Um, you know, and before I kind of get into this and start, <laughs> you know, uh, making a lot of generalizations, I <laughs> uh, just want to emphasize. So my mom is Japanese, yep. um, right? My mom is like, you know, uh, she came here in her 20s. She's still to this day, very Japanese. And I was raised really kind of in that culture. I went to a Japanese school through the ninth grade that it wasn't, hey, we're going to teach you Japanese. These were for kids whose parents were here like on business. And it was to keep up with the curriculum in in Japan, right? So when they eventually, when they went back after their parents' two or three year assignment, they could slip right into a school, you know? And ironically, one of my classmates from that uh, is now a sports writer and was covering you, Darvish. And we kind of mm-hmm. ran into each other in the press box years later. But um, so I, you know, um, but just for some background there, but, you know, Otani's not like typical Japanese, right? And if anything, you know, it's a, you know, usually when I think of Japan, I think about, you know, they say they get ratings on things that like we would never get here, right? Like 60%, 70% market mm-hmm. shares because when everybody's into something like every, right? Monoculture. There's a popular drama. Mo- yeah, monoculture. Right? Right. Everybody watches it, Um, you know, and Otani, if you look at every major decision he's made, when everybody's telling him to go left, he goes right. That's his every major decision he's made in his life. So I kind of have a feeling that, you know, he's going to surprise the Japanese reporters and that he's probably going to surprise us. Well, isn't this like it's kind of not doing it's not speaking to media for since he's been hurt this a long time bailing if he did bail on the mvp presser does that tell us about like does he not want to be in new york you know because he's going to be out i mean at some point you are out there in new york or is he going to want is he is he going to want that sort of thing that's like i'm just like looking for clues about environment atmosphere like what what do you like what are your kind of like this is the number one thing that he's going to want to avoid and this is the number one thing that he's going to want to do well, so when I look at like his reluctance to talk to the media, I am thinking this is more the agents doing, hmm. um, you know, um, and where he kind of, you know, it's, it's 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 interesting about Otani is, you know, and even I think that this is going to be the really tough part for for teams that are trying to recruit him. He's not going to tell you what he wants. Um, you know, even uh, I saw an interview a year ago, maybe where, you know, they were talking to the manager uh, for the Nippon Ham Fighters who recruited him uh, coming out of high school. And they asked him, when did you know that you had a chance? And he said, like, when he signed, <laughs> because throughout the whole time that he was recruiting, he just sat there quiet, right? Didn't say anything. Uh, because I do think he kind of follows like the Japanese social, right, um, customs of, right, the employee doesn't make demands of, right, the employer. Um, you know, over there, they don't have agents, by the way, right? The team just tells you this is how much you're going to make. You accept it. Uh, now, I do think that they're right over there. The teams aren't as like predatory as they are here. So they will try to kind of be fair. There's a little bit right. The team kind of meets you halfway. But, you know, it's a lot of it is almost like you have to tell him what he wants to hear. Like you need to figure out what he wants and kind of and it's in a lot of it is guesswork. Right. And frankly, I don't think that there are any major league teams that like are really uh, equipped to deal with this situation. Right. I mean, I know that some 
front offices obviously have people on the ground in Japan. They have Japanese employees, but I don't think I don't get the impression they listen to him very much. So, you know, um, whoever kind of gets him, is just going to be almost kind of luck. Right. Um, and I again, I think that the media thing is kind of more, hey, his agent is, I think, you know, because most of this what the agent has done up to this point, right? He hasn't really had to do much. And I think because obviously this is an, an industry where, right, clients get stolen all the time. I think he's the agent was almost kind of trying to create value for himself, hmm. right? This is why you should keep me. He's not a big but, but agent, I, right? Yeah, he's not a big agent, right? He doesn't. Uh, Nesbalillo, CAA. I mean, he's got yeah. guys. Okay. You know? I mean, he had like, a, yeah, he's negotiated big deals. You know, he had Braun, Ryan Braun, okay. uh, My bad. Know, Andre yeah. Ethier. Okay. Um, but I think he's like, hey, look, look what I'm doing for you. I can keep you in the media away, right? Because he talked, here's the thing, in Japan, he talked, hmm. right? Um, he talked the day before starts. He talked, right, which is kind of custom, the way it works over there is hmm. you talk the day before you start. Uh, he talked on his start days. Um, and he wasn't that, like, unreachable, right? Um, you know, I went out, Nippon Ham came uh, to Arizona for spring training one year. I asked for time with them. I got it. So it wasn't, I think that this is kind of more the agent's doing. I really think it's just going to, again, come down to kind of like legacy, right? And he said before he left Japan, one, he wanted to be the best player in the world. Uh, two, and he very, again, he's, it's almost like LeBron, right? When LeBron kind of talks. Uh, very LeBron, getting a lot of LeBron vibes on this. Yeah, yeah when absolutely. LeBron talks at the beginning of the year and kind of makes like these declarative statements, there's like a purpose to it, right? And Otani, a lot of times he doesn't say much, but occasionally he will say something kind of definitive, right? And that does matter. And so one thing he said, I want to be the best player in the world. And at some point he got asked about a World Series and he says, you know, to be the best player in the world, I do think that that's something that you need to reach. So I do think that the winning thing is going to matter a lot. I also, though, don't think, say, if he goes to the Texas Rangers at this point, right, who just won, um, he won't be the reason that they have won. You know, I think when he when he went to the Angels, um, you know, if you kind of look at their situation there, they weren't very good. And I think that was part of the reason he went there, right, was he wanted to be a two-way player and he knew that they weren't good enough to basically tell him, hey, you know what, we're in a pennant race, maybe give up hitting, right? Like, my guess is that that's something that would have happened if he had, say, signed with the Dodgers. Um, and I think that over the course, he envisioned, I think, that over the course of those six years uh, that he was with the Angels, that the team would also get better as he developed. Because that's what happened in Japan, right? When he signed with the Nippon Ham Fighters, the fighters had just lost to Darvish, and they were basically in a complete rebuild. So they weren't very good the first two years, two, three years, while he was kind of trying to figure out the two-way thing. By the time he was the league MVP, now the team was ready to go when they won the championship. And my guess is that that was kind of what he was envisioning. And obviously that that didn't happen. Right. So, um, again, I think it's going to be, you know, a chance to win where he could kind of be like the difference maker there. Uh, and when you look at it from that standpoint, again, I think the Dodgers kind of make sense because even though they're in October every year, there is this feeling and hey, they get there and they choke. Uh, you know, and we saw the way this guy did in the WBC. I think he could be kind of the difference there. Um, but again, I just the fact I think, you know, I was, I was joking with some Dodgers people about this, but I'm actually I actually think that this is true. The fact that everybody says he should go to the Dodgers might actually like dissuade <laughs> him from going to the Dodgers. And, well, you talk you talk about legacy and I'm like, I think he's going to want to put up a lot of hitting stats, like hitting stats or in pitching stats. Now, that especially with the second Tommy John, he's not going to pitch next season. It's not going to be pitching stats that's going to get him in the Hall of Fame. It's going to be hitting, counting hitting stats. And it just feels like he's going to want to go somewhere he can hit home runs. And I guess looking at this entirely from a Giants point of view, 
That's not Oracle Park, right? That's not left-handed hitter. One guy has hit a lot of home runs there. It's Barry Bonds. I guess you could try to sell him on that. Like you can, you can, Barry Bonds could do it. You could do it. And maybe you can sell him on, hey, you can hit it the other way. But uh, he has never hit well. They haven't played much at Oracle, but he's never hit well there. And you really, you reported early last season that he's only taken pregame batting practice, what, in three parks other than the Angels? Yeah. It was Fenway, Dodgers, and Texas. Was that the three? Uh, Yankees, Yankees. Or Mets, Mets. Okay. Was it Mets or Yankees? <laughs> it's your report. Come on, yeah, Dylan. I, it was months ago. I can't remember what I <laughs> You can't rely on your own self. Uh, I do think that's interesting, though. Like, I, yeah. I think there's an out. I mean, I, I'm the one who said hot house. You might not want, but Boston to me is like there's going to be one out of a weird one. I can say like historic park. You win there, you're in the Hall of Fame. He's probably already in, frankly. But you put you hit fifty seven home runs there, and you can hit fifty seven home runs there. Obviously, uh, in that market, whew, they they you know they got young talent. I'm saying as an outside, we should do the Boston uh, freaking podcast. We're talking like this, but I just feel like the Giants aren't. I know there are Giants people who think they have a real shot at this, and they maybe they do culturally, you know, very comfortable situation, beautiful ballpark, but. I just am I wrong thinking that I think he's got to think hitting first. He's got to yeah, think I, that's how I get well, in the Hall of Fame. I, I do think that he wants to pitch again. Uh and that he's and that might be like actually the number one thing, right? Is which team is going to give me the biggest, the longest leash to make that happen. Um, because I do think his whole thing is about doing things other people haven't done before. You know. Um uh that said, I do think I have heard a lot, you know, just kind of from the people around him, right? He likes this park that he, you know, that in, when they played in Baltimore, that he drove up and you know, just crushed the ball that, you know, went to like the warning track. And he, when he came back to the dugout, he joked that, hey, well, I'm not coming here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, I do think that that the ballpark thing comes up a lot, right? When you, when you talk to kind of the people around him, you know, he doesn't say much about this for the most part. The one thing that people have said they've heard him talk about is, the ballpark right so i do think i agree with you 100 percent on that one he's going to be looking at the park and you know how well is this you know how how much of a match is this going to be for me dodgers a match that way then you think i don't i heard he's not crazy about it mm. you know so um yeah and i think you know again the the bigger thing too i think is the the the, tr the trust thing right um you know the i don't know if you've seen this but um uh there's a documentary that just got posted on uh ESPN plus Disney plus whatever um, where and it's kind of a kind of very carefully curated type thing, you know, where he doesn't say too much, obviously. But the one thing he talked about when he, you know, was making this decision when he first came here six years ago, again, was kind of the, hey, who's going to give me, you know, um, the most leeway in terms of like making this two way thing happen. Uh, it is important, I think, to remember that, you know, when he, when he got hurt the first time, um, right. And he initially was trying to come back, right. He missed all 2019 as a pitcher, tried to pitch in 2020, uh, pitched two games only and both starts. I don't think he even got out of the first inning. Uh, right. And, you know, it wasn't kind of this like smooth linear process, right. There was kind of this setback. And I think around that time too, there was very much this air of, you know, uh, maybe he should just concentrate on hitting. You know, he's really good at hitting. Maybe he shouldn't pitch anymore, right? Why even risk any of this? Uh, that kind of talk obviously spread a lot around the game. 
And, you know, to the degree that like in 2021, when the angels kind of sat him down and said, you know what, you're going to play every single day. We're not going to do anything weird, giving you days off the way Otani interpreted that was, oh, they're trying to make me quit one, mm-hmm. you know? And so 21, you know, I know kind of the way the angels have talked about it and the way they've tried to sell this is like, Hey, we liberated this guy. You know, we told him just go play baseball. Um, I think the way Otani viewed it was like, this is do or die. Right. And that's kind of like what he responded to. And I think that that's how much he wants to play both ways. That's how important this is for him, you know? And it's also, I think, and this is going to sound a little silly, but, um, you know, in Japan, like comic books are just such a big part of the culture over there. Right. And to the degree, like it's not, you know, here, like, let's be honest, you see like an adult, like reading comic books, you're kind of like, uh, you know, what, right. People, <laughs> you know, it's just a little bit weird, but like in Japan, like, um, you know, adults read comic books and stuff even all the time, right? It's very much a part of their culture. Um, you know, and there was one Jap- uh, baseball comic book over there that he read, um, you know, and it's about a guy who pitches and hits. Uh, coincidentally or not, he plays for, you know, this fictional major league team in Anaheim, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> now, except that guy, when he got injured, uh, he pitched with his other arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Otani well, hasn't quite done that yet. But, He's maybe he blows out his Heck is a crafty lefty. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I think every team is going to say you can do whatever you want. Like they're going to say that, you know, maybe he can pick up vibes about do they really mean it or not. I just think hitting is the predominant thing that he's going to pick right now. Where do I want to hit next season and the next three seasons while I get back pitching? And I don't think that's the Giants. Seattle, what reportedly already is out, you know, just like I think it does narrow the field. And I think you're right. It's not going to be the Rangers. That's a Durant thing. Durant wasn't signing with the Warriors if they had won a championship. Uh, if if I sign there and you don't win a championship, you lose in game seven, it's a failure and I've caused it, right? You know, because you, you, you just won a championship. So that I think the Rangers would have been a really live opportunity if, if they didn't win a championship. If they didn't just darn win the World Series and screw up everything. I think that would have been live because I think he would have hit a lot of home runs there. So I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Dodgers, Red Sox. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe the Giants jumping in there a little bit, um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. It's a mystery. Well, let's not talk the whole, I mean, I think we could talk about Otani, but yeah. give me something about the Bay area that you need Dylan. You that's, that's a screeching problem, a screeching issue that you can't understand. And I need an answer for you. What what's going on with Clay Thompson? <laughs> had a pretty good, that's a good question. He had a pretty good game last night. It's, Here's the thing with Clay. I've been thinking about this, and like we know it's going to end at some point. It's going to probably end for him faster than step. Well, certainly faster than Steph, just because he's had those injuries. Those injuries have been brutal, uh, and he's not the same player. He's he's admit he's never going to be the same kind of defensive player. Isn't moving great right now, uh, but should be in better shape than he was two years ago when he helped win them a championship and he played very well in the playoffs. Did not play. Played very well most of last season. Did not play well in the playoffs. Continued, but so you have to decide: is this just another clay slump, or is this the sign of something major regression and maybe heading toward a cliff? Just so happens it happens. It's happening on a contract year. It's happening while they push the like all in button by trading Jordan Bull for Chris Paul. You're getting 14 years older. A lot of urgency on this. Steve Kerr's got patience. He talked about it pregame last night before clay started making some buckets if you have patience and guys that you know can do it and wiggins certainly had had a terrible start to the season way worse than clay even one of the worst starts i've ever seen from a good player then he's starting to turn around he's like i think we're going to see it from clay here too and you start to see it 
they have to manage it. I think they're not playing them 35 minutes anymore. There's going to be more slump games than you think, you know, you're used to. He's got you have to protect them defensively, which obviously they never had to do before his injuries. But Steph likes playing with them. That's sort of important. Chris Paul like keeps talking about Clay. I think there's some kind of trying to get to it last night, and then neither neither one of them quite was going to agree with me. Clay, after a really his best game of the year, was a kind of somber after the game. You, you never know with him. He just didn't want to say much. But I think Chris Paul is like, I was guarded by this guy. I had to guard him for all these huge games, and I know how good he is. And this is not him. Let's get him going. Let's figure out some ways to get him going. And I think as a kind of a ripple effect of this clay thing is you're going to see Chris Paul more and start. I think he's going to probably going to start. He started last night, obviously been starting with Draymond suspended, but even when Draymond comes back, I got to lean towards, I think Paul's it's more, that's a funny thing with Chris Paul 38 years old. He is important to be with the starters and he's really important to be with a second unit. Like he, you, you can't play him the whole thing, but I think it's more important for him to kind of unlock even further Steph and to really be the guy that I'm going to make a point to dribble it here so I can pass it to Clay coming off of that curl at the exact pickup moment. He was talking last night, like, I'm passing it before they're even there. It's like he was talking Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Like, I'm throwing before the receiver's there. I, I'm throwing with anticipation. Not normally a basketball thing, right? Not normally a thing that is so certainly a risky thing. Warriors sometimes just throw it anywhere. I mean, they they make crazy turnovers. That's who they are. But Paul is talking about, like, I'm going to throw it to that hole. I'm going to throw him open. He's going to catch a good turnaround. He's going to make the bucket. I think that's going to be great for Clay. I think they're going to have to play Chris Paul with him. It's going to be kind of a Chris Paul-Clay kind of jump joint project here. I think Paul is very precise about the way he thinks and the way he wants to play. Uh, and we'll see what that means for the backups because he was supposed to lead that second unit. And man, if he's playing 20 minutes with, with Clay and Steph, then that's good fewer minutes. He can play with everybody else. I think Clay's going to make shots. So like what he was doing was he was rushing when he, he can't get open quite as much just because he's slower. He's not coming hard off those picks as much, but I still think he can shoot. I think he was pressing. He's not going to shoot like he's been doing last night. You know, it's like 22 points. We're like, oh, my God, Clay's back. Like, as Clay said, I've scored more than that in a quarter, right? I mean, he scored, as I said, you scored way more than that. He scored 37 points on court. Uh, that guy, he's not going to score 37 in a quarter. He's not going to score 60 in three quarters like he's done. But he still can make buckets. He's still valuable. Uh, he's still kind of, you know, tough underneath. He's kind of a big player now. He's not a guard. So I think what ju- what we saw last night, more in line with the way he's going to be. And I just go, the Steve Kerr patience, my God, like, I understand he's patient. I know he's patient. And even I was like going, you're going to have to do something here. Like, this is a problem. Their, their backups are beating the other backups every game. So what does I tell you? Well, if you're six and eight, and now they're seven and eight. I mean, it's your starters, which are Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, are getting pummeled. And Steph Curry's having a great year. So that, what does that tell you about everyone else? Kerr's been patient. I mean, I think it was tested, especially with Wiggins. Um, but I think he's rode with them. And Clay's, they're going to keep playing Clay. They don't have, you know, they have a Clay issue, but they don't have a Clay benching issue. They're they're going to keep playing them. They believe in them. And that's the guy who Steph wants out there, which, as I keep saying, is sort of important. And they can't trade. Like, like they should trade them. No, no, no. They, you're not getting anything back for them. You're not, that's like their value with now. What can they sign him? What do they offer him? That's a very interesting equation. 
I don't think there's going to be a monster contract offer out there for him outside. I just don't. I mean, maybe who knows? It just takes one team, but you watch some of these games, you're not giving them $35 million a year for four more years. You're not. I, I think it's there for him to resign with the Warriors and kind of just play this out. At some point, he will be bad. Like everybody's bad at some point. Don't think it's quite there. One question that I have, I guess, for as a, you know, somebody that saw Chris Paul right down here in for a long time and where he was the out and out alpha for a long time with the Clippers. Um, you know, I always find it interesting, right? When athletes kind of get to the end of their careers, you know, and they, um, right. Uh, you know, when I was covering the Dodgers, Garrett Anderson kind of came and was completely different than his reputation. Josh Beckett, you know, was a little teddy bear. Kind of at the end of his career, he's going to. That's just because it's with you, Dylan. Everybody <laughs> just warms up to you. That's the, you know, that's the and, and we saw with Westbrook, right? At the with the Lakers, he was still Russ, the the Russ of old, you know. Um, and since he's kind of moved to the Clippers, it's softened a lot. I feel, you know, and I think maybe he's saying, okay, maybe this is kind of my, my last, you know, run at this thing. And uh, but I was kind of just kind of curious how how has Chris Paul kind of adjusted to kind of not being the guy, I guess, in some ways. I mean, it, although listening to you, it yeah, like his voice he has a lot of, of, there's still like a lot of gravity there, it sounds like. He's been Chris Paul. Man, the guy's a badass. And, you know, it can be an irritant and people don't like him. Certainly the Warriors have really not liked him over the years. But I like it. I, li- I respect it. And the man, he just stares you in the eye. Like he really, like you ask him a question, he like it gives you the answer and he's staring at you and waiting for your response. And he's like that in the locker room. I'll get a little bit like, I don't think this is too much. We're in the locker room before he talked. Marcus Thompson and I got to kind of chat with him. He's like, what's up with Steph and these turnovers? He's like, oh, I got to talk to him. Steph, where's Steph? I got to talk. What's going on with these? Steph literally hit him in the shoulder as they're dribbling up court because he thought Steph was just going to take it up court himself. And Steph just flips it to Paul and hits him in the shoulder. Like, he's like, what are you doing here? Um, It's just, I think. Which is good in that locker room, like which is you want to give and take. And I don't think Steph minds that. He he knows how good he is. He's not insecure about it. I think he hears it from Draymond all the time, and he yells back at Draymond like that's what they do. Chris hasn't been back. You know he's not toned it down at all. He's still his. He still have to figure out how. And, and you know Draymond's been out for five games. Draymond missed the first three games. I think you know with, with a knee injury, like ankle injury whatever it was uh ankle injury i think it was so like they haven't had everybody in there you haven't had all the voices and even paul said like yeah we you know draymond says a lot i back him up we still have to figure out how all this works what happens when they're saying different things right you don't that hasn't happened uh but he's the same guy like that guy is like he has been through everything except for winning a championship think that's like he's going to defer to the champions he does defer like they've won four champions i've been on the other side they've beaten me we've i've been on a team that went over 27 from three which was the rockets in game seven against the warriors famously um he's been you know i know deferential is the right word but he's just he's contextual like he's not trying to say i'm the guy but he's also saying i am who i am like i'm not changing i am an alpha but so steph in his own way obviously so is draymond um, they have to blend that in, but man, I've enjoyed the time with him. Like he's, he's t- t- giving me the stone cold glare a couple times. Uh, but <laughs> I know that's what you're okay. talking about. Yeah. Like, you're like, what do you, like you, you, you'll get the, what, like, what are you talking about? And then you have to defend yourself. That has happened. And I like that give and take, you know, me, I love that strong will. I believe what I believe, but I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still, I'm not walking away from you. And it's such a difference. I, I and they get tired of this conversation, but 
Jordan Poole was kind of the look away guy. Like he wouldn't look at you when you're talking to mm. him. He wouldn't admit that he heard you say something. He didn't like that. I believe he fall he falls down too much. He didn't like that. Well, to, he wouldn't say that to me. I just heard about it from other people and he would like, give me the shrug and walk away. And he did. You know, I'm not saying um equivalent to any player in there. I'm not certainly, but I think that's what happened with a lot of them was the passive aggressive stuff. It was the quiet stuff. The, the, and yeah, listen, he got punched by Draymond, as I keep saying, not his fault. But also, like, four games later, Kerr's screaming at him on the court in a way that Kerr does not scream at players. And another one, Steph's, like, waving his arms, like, what are you doing on court? It's just not, you know, it's no you know, ridiculous circumstance that he's the guy involved in all those things. He's just one of those exasperating guys, not a bad guy. And Chris Paul is 100,000% the difference. He is like, I screw it up, I'll say it. Then if you screw it up, you're going to hear it from me. Uh, and it is uh, a kind of kind of precise declarative authority that they haven't really had. Now, Iguodala has that presence, had that presence, wasn't that vocal, maybe quietly, but he's not a vocal publicly. Chris Paul is that guy. He's just that dude. Uh, they might get tired of it. We'll see how well he plays the rest of the season. He's, you know, he wants to play more. He's a guy like, like they've been keeping him at 28 minutes. He plays 34 last three. I say, like, Chris, would you like that 34 minutes? He goes, absolutely. It's like, and he's glaring at me. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, are you going to talk about him? Oh, yeah, you know, it's a conversation. Uh, I've liked it. He's been a lot of different places. So much, you know, experience. So many things he's been through. He's played the Warriors. That's the thing. Like, he knows those guys because he's played them. He knows their plays because he's played against them. He's had to plot against them where there might be ways to 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 strengthen that, where their weaknesses are. He's been essential to them. Now, can he keep this up? Can he will he get hurt? He's been hurt in the last two playoff runs. They kind of got a guard against that, but they need him on the floor. Like that, he is their biggest plus player. Just I don't know if in the plus minus, although I think it's close. Um, I think Gary Payton to second is the highest plus minus, but he's hurt now. He's just been a just a connector and that's who he is. Now he starts playing worse the voice becomes less important but as he's playing now he's been amazing for them and we'll see how it is the rest of the season but i think he and clay are the two to watch i want to write about this at some point uh but like that's an interesting you know they're very 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 different personalities but because they have this shared competitive thing uh fascinating to watch those two guys the kind of yin and yang there yeah, all right give me that works better too by the way right well, you can't have the same person. Yeah, right. Yeah, he and Draymond yeah. are very similar. So we'll see. Like that, everyone's got to wait. They're kind of separate sides of the, of the locker room. They, you know, sort of the same place. You obviously they can talk to each other. They've they've been very very cordial to each other. But what happens when in stress? Like what happens when when all that goes down? We'll see. And everyone's fascinating to see. And I just think Chris Paul's going to play a ton of minutes, and he has to play a ton of minutes. I want to don't want to end this without making sure I'm going to grill you about your guy Brandon Staley and the Chargers. I don't know him. I've dealt with him maybe one time when the 49ers came down there to play. Uh, had a couple practices training camp a couple years ago. Seemed like a nice enough guy, but everything I see on the podium, everything I see his team, he seems like a guy playing a head coach not a head coach. He seems like he's think everything is thinking, here's what I should do. And it'll really make Twitter love me if I say it this way, or here's what, how I put, and, and it's defensive. It's 
And I, the defense is playing terribly and he's a defensive minded guy and he doesn't want to like, he wants to say the things that make you think he's taking responsibility, but he's not really taking responsibility. What's your take on it? Am I unfair about the guy or is I, am I reading too I, much? Into this? No, I, th- I think you're kind of right there. You, you know, you talk about, I mean, we're just talking about Chris Paul and Draymond, what happens when things go bad. You know, I think that, right. It's funny because every year I go talk to him as, you know, training camp, right. They give me a half an hour whatever hour as long as they're well with them and i always leave there thinking like man like this guy's this guy's this guy's gonna win this year (laughs) you know he's got it all figured out um and i think though that that's kind of what it is right when something kind of goes off script a little bit when things start kind of going bad uh and we saw it even from like the first game this year i think right i mean he didn't you know quite lose it the way he did this past week but he got pretty he got a little defensive there right away you know and i remember kind of telling um, you know, the, the beat guys like, Hey, keep an eye on this guy. Cause he's going to lose it pretty soon. Uh, and I believe he lost it the very next week. I didn't think it was going to happen in week two, you know? And, and I think that you're kind of right. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, to be a head coach, especially in the NFL, um, you know, you, you gotta kind of have that, like a certain security about yourself, right. There has to be a certain kind of like inner confidence, uh, that kind of, regardless of what happens, you kind of don't lose it like that. Um, I think, you know, just even kind of looking at like Lincoln Riley this year, right? I think, you know, beginning of the year, there was talk, hey, maybe he's going to be NFL bound at some point. Uh, you know, just kind of the way he's dealt with things this year, I, I really question, you know, whether, right, if, if he gets put in that, that spot, I could see him kind of melting down similarly too. Um, but yeah, you know, and I think that the issue really was that, you know, I think two years ago, Staley was able to kind of bring in, or it was last year, sorry. Uh, you know, he was kind of bre- able to bring in like his guys, right? He kind of right retooled the defense. Uh, it ceased, in theory, to be a personnel issue, and it still hasn't gone right, you know. And I think there's kind of this like, uh, right? You know, they, they just signed Herbert, obviously, to that big extension, but he's still kind of near the end of that, right? He's at the end of that rookie contract right now, and there's kind of this feeling of like a certain there's a certain window here that they have, right? And it feels like that that window is kind of closing. And that this this opportunity that they had as an organization where they had kind of a lot of high end talent, um, you know, that it's not going to happen for them during this window. And I think he kind of feels everything. The walls are kind of closing in on him. You know, I mean, the only reason to think that he has a chance to stick, stay around beyond this year really is because of the Spanoses, right? They cheap. generally, cheap. yeah, cheap. They usually, you know, they did look, they, they did fire Anthony Lynn last time, mm-hmm. right? With a year left on his deal which in some ways was a bit of an upset. Uh, you know, I'm not sure they're willing to kind of do that again, right? I mean, there is this, you know, and and again, like with Staley, you know, again, you talk to him before any games have been played, you know, he's that guy, the baseball player who's great to talk to in spring training, you know, because everything, and he sounds very, you know, what surprised me too, I remember his first year, he came in talking about, you know, because I just kind of gave him, you know, that was almost like messing around with him, just telling him like, hey, you know, this franchise is cursed, right? And he's like, yeah, we've talked about that, you know, which I kind of found like a little bit like, hey, you know what? Like it's the elephant in the room that like, right, there's a certain kind of loserness that is just kind of right comes through the walls of that place. And he was like, hey, let's address it, you know. And so, you know, now I do think, again, it's one thing to do that when your record's zero and zero and nothing's gone wrong yet. Um, and you just kind of feel every time kind of something goes wrong. Uh, you know, and probably that's, you know, one of the reasons he's had success up to this point, right, is because he's a control freak. I mean, a lot of these football coaches are and right all now. Of them. Almost all of them. Yeah. yeah. It just feels like he's lost control now. And he feels this kind of slipping away. 
I do, you know, you kind of wonder too, as, you know, as, as good as Herbert has been at times, especially this year, you know, I kind of wonder if he's like, right, either maybe he's kind of plateaued in some ways, um, you know, from like a, a processing standpoint, or maybe, you know, to me, I don't know, this is just, this is just kind of me talking. He just doesn't look as dynamic athletically, you know, and one thing kind of early on, I remember writing about this in his maybe second year or something was he was taking a lot of hits. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of start wondering, okay, well, what's going to be kind of the long-term effect of this, right? Playing behind such a bad offensive line. And um, I'm kind of wondering if he maybe hasn't quite become the guy that they were hoping he was going to be. You know, he still kind of makes those plays. He's bad kind of a lot late in games. You know, he kind of doesn't make that that play a lot of times too. So uh, kind of a lot of things are kind of going wrong. But he's, anyway, Staley is just not dealing well with this, obviously. I mean, yeah, it's like that would be a good job if they opened it up. And I, it would be unbelievable. I mean, I understand the Spanos. If they keep Staley for another year, it would be astounding. You're just, you're, I think you're dooming another year of Justin Herbert's prime uh, and whoever, you know, all the other guys, although they you know Bose is getting hurt all the time and, and they got other guys who, who seem to get hurt a lot. But um, is there any shot in your mind that they would take a run at Jim Harbaugh? Because I, obviously I think Harbaugh is going to be looking at the NFL again. Um, I don't think he's taking a college job anywhere. Could the Chargers go, you know what? Okay, $10, $12 million a year. Let's just fix it and let's go Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I think, you know, as, and I know we're kind of joking about the Spanoses here. I, I will say this. I do think that they have, since they've come here, they have recognized that they're not in San Diego anymore. You know, and again, I, I know, you know, right, they weren't paying like Anthony Lynn like a ton, whatever, but they still ate a year of that, right? I don't think, again, they're in San Diego. The pattern would have been, you know, they hold on to them. Just they just right let the contract run out. Um, whereas I do think that they recognized that they have to kind of do something here, you know. And again, part of it has to do with the fact that um, you know it's just such like a weird football market, really. Right? SC is the most popular football team in town. Uh, you know, they a lot of times you know visiting team the Raiders come. You know, uh, right? Regardless of whether it's Chargers or Rams, I mean, a lot of times the opposing team has more fans in the stadium than they do. Uh, I do think that there is, you know, they were the ones, right, that, you know, I think the first training camp had all these banners up the fight for L.A. <laughs> uh, they recognize where they are. I mean, I, I think a lot of L.A. teams, frankly, do. Right. I mean, I think the Clippers for sure. Right. Steve Ballmer, you know, kind of being the second basketball team. Right. They're building this like at least from the outside. I haven't been inside yet, but it looks spectacular. You know, and I think teams that are in this market know that they have to do something to kind of distinguish themselves, make noise. Um, you know, and I think with the Chargers, there was just kind of so much hope in some ways, right? Even though the Rams had kind of accomplished more, I think, you know, even like last year, right, until the way the things ended, I think the feeling was, hey, you know, the Rams are on a downward trajectory and we're going up. And all that is just kind of stopped. And if anything, the way it's unfolded is really kind of reinforced kind of that Charger narrative, right? The whole thing about chargering and stuff, right? That something is inevitably be inevitably going to go wrong and that's damaging to a brand. Right. And so I do think if they hey, look, if Harbaugh can get in a room with them and convince them like, hey, I'm going to be the one that's going to change the narrative here. And look, the guy's done it before. Um, you know, yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I think it's what they should do. I mean, whether they do or not, owners are scared of Harbaugh. I know him real well. He is a, a lot to handle. Certainly there's a now he's coming with a whole lot of baggage from what's going on there. But, man, you want to win football games. You want to play a certain physical way. Jim Harbaugh, that's a shot. He's going to want a quarterback, and Justin Herbert's going to be the guy. All right, we're, we've gone on and on, I think, with some good topics, but let's try to end this with a segment. Uh, I'm going to call 
what we're going to call who won the week, the Bay Area or the L.A. Or L.A., not the L.A. as last I heard. Maybe it is the L.A. now. I know you guys call it whatever you want to. Dylan Hernandez, who won the week, L.A. or the Bay Area? Let's see. Okay, so the Lakers had a good week. I think the Clippers have kind of had a good week and that they've won two here, and this isn't going to be a complete disaster. Uh, Rams kind of put themselves back in the playoff, right? They're on the periphery of the playoff picture. I think it was bad week for our college teams. But one of them um, was LA, UCLA beat SC. So that's yeah, but you know what? But it's but it's now it's gonna now I think everybody's resigned to the fact Chip Kelly's gonna stick around. <laughs> and I'm not sure that's what people wanted. Um I don't think it was necessarily realistic, by the way, that you know talk about cheap saying, cheap organizations, UCLA does Yeah, not. right. I mean it's a public yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, um you know what so well, but your guys' team, right? The the Niners look pretty good. Need to be kind of back on yeah. track, and I would say that given that given the Niners' importance to the Bay Area market, even though like I think the Lakers and Clippers kind of took strides in the right direction, I guess I would say the Bay Area. Wow. Well, I'm going to cross you up and say I'm going to say L.A. won the week because LeBron. You know, I know you wrote about LeBron playing too much, too what, but if the Lakers are good, that changes everything in L.A. Having covered the Lakers, I can tell you. And I don't know what's going on with Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell and all these pieces that we thought were going to be really important this season. But if LeBron is going to be good at whatever the hell age he's at, I mean, season 20, it's unbelievable that he's doing this. It was unbelievable five years ago that he was playing at that level. Now at, you know, 2023 guy who's been in the league forever, that's just good for LA to have one of the best players in the league, the one of the greatest players of all time, still playing really well. Just LeBron. I'm saying just LeBron gives LA the win for this week because he's playing so he's just fun to watch still. You know, he's got to pace himself. Watch them, you know, obviously in you know, the Warrior series, he paced himself. Like there were in minutes at a time he was on the floor and you didn't notice him. And then in the last five minutes, you fucking notice where LeBron James is still. So I'm giving the win to LA. You're giving the win to the Bay. Wow, look at this. Are, are we going to just keep doing this? Who knows? I think we did this legitimately. I don't think we planned this. I was like, when LeBron, we didn't talk a lot about LeBron. It was just like, you got more stuff going on down there right now, Dylan, which is what's fun about it, which is why we wanted to start this podcast. Uh, more stuff going on. We'll see. Uh, Bay Area always has stuff going on. A's relocate. We can talk about it. all these other things. But yeah, the week where the A's get the relocation vote to leave, and LeBron looks so good. I'm going to combo those things. I'm giving the win to LA. Is I don't know, man. Like Oakland, that Coliseum is so that's it's terrible. But it's a, but they did it to themselves. Like they did it. Like this is not Oakland's fault. This is the, this is John Fisher's. We oh, we could do a, let's do a whole other show on that. We've talked too long. Uh, but that is John Fisher's fault. That is not the Oakland's fault. Yeah, I would say I would say not playing baseball in the Coliseum is a is a plus for the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't go there anymore. I don't like I've announced I don't go there anymore. I, I they could sign Otani. Yeah, they were going to sign Otani. And I will not go to the Coliseum. I'm just I don't go there anymore. Uh I think the A's have noticed I refuse to go to their games. I just not I I don't care what they're doing. I'm not going. I didn't go to the last 2 years of Raiders games at the Coliseum either. If you intend to move I don't need to be there. I'll cover you from afar. I'll still be able to talk to your people. Uh, Billy Bean, I'll, I'll be able to call. I don't need to be part of that. So that's a win there, right there. Dylan, first show. We went long, but it was Otani. It was uh, Brandon Staley. It was Clay Thompson. As always, we're going to have stuff. That's what we both know, right? There's going to be a million things to talk about. They're going to interplay off each other, and we'll talk about them probably once a week, maybe not exactly once a week, but we'll try to do this once a week. And uh, Dylan, you'll get that 
quote unquote co-host thing off. We'll make, just make you the co-host of something officially. We'll promote you. You did fine. You did good. Maybe I'll get a demotion after my stumbling and bumbling. All right, Dylan, say goodbye. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it. show for today. Thanks. North and South episode one in the books.